You like Fruit Loops? They're in the reasonable pantheon of breakfast cereals. But the single greatest cereal of all time is a promotional tie-in cereal they did for the Batman Returns movie. It's called Batman Returns Cereal, but it was it was chocolate checks with marshmallows. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. My name is Jess Dunks, and with me as always, I've got Brogan King. Greetings. Uh, and this is episode number 208, and we've got a very special guest. Uh, Toby Elliott is here. Toby, say hi. Good evening. Good evening, or good morning, or afternoon, or whenever you're listening to this today. Um, you may notice that I didn't introduce Brian, and that I'm not Brian speaking. Uh, Brian Brilliman will probably be joining us shortly. Uh, he was delayed this evening when we we're recording. Um, but we're going to uh, forge ahead until he shows up, and we're just going to get on with our topic. I really, uh, I really wanted you to introduce Brian as the special guest, like so get a special guest Brian Parliament. Yeah, uh, slow roll, slow roll. Introducing yeah. Brian. It's okay. Toby's cool too. Um, well, Toby's Thanks. great actually. <laughs> um, he's uh, uh, to- Toby has a lot of a lot of jobs and former jobs in the judge program. Toby, do you want to introduce yourself with what you, what you currently do now? Um, what I currently do now is uh, rest on my laurels a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You're not wrong. I have a lot of formers in my titles. Um, I've been judging since 2000. Um, and uh, I still do tournaments periodically and I still am in charge of magic judge policy. Um, so I do the IPG. I work with Scott Larrabee on the MTR and just generally act as a consultant for policy needs. I didn't mean to imply there was anything wrong with having formers. In your oh, no, no. I, I, uh, I had some great times yeah. in the judge program. Still do. You're, uh, you're, you're still a level three judge, which yep. is uh, – that's, that's not nothing. Yeah, that's nothing, uh, nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> and uh, you used to be a level five judge, yep. for anybody that doesn't know. Uh, you are also formerly a program coordinator and yes. formerly a Grand Prix head judge <laughs> and formerly a Pro Tour head judge. I, I believe uh, for now, I still hold the record for the most uh, Pro Tours head judged, although I'm pretty sure Kevin will beat me one of these days. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, well, he's going to beat everybody at everything, I think, someday. <laughs> the topic that we've brought you on to discuss today, Toby, as you know, is about uh, loops. Do you like Fruit Loops? They're in the reasonable pantheon of breakfast cereals. The reasonable pantheon. Can we have? I, I, I would not go and hunt them down at the grocery store, but if somebody's offering a bowl, I will totally have them. You've organized your breakfast cereals <laughs> into a pantheon? into pantheons based on how reasonable they are. <laughs> well, you know, in terms of how much I'm going to go out of my way to go and hunt it down. I want this as a cartoon now, very badly, of all the cereals as gods and goddesses. Anyway, well, I mean, so I mean, the single greatest cereal of all time. Well, we'll just start right now and digress on stuff. But the single greatest cereal of all time is a promotional tie-in cereal they did for the Batman Returns movie. <laughs> what it, is it called? It's called Batman Returns cereal, but it was it was chocolate checks with marshmallows. That sounds great. Actually, it was fantastic. Uh... It, it, and they couldn't even come All up right. with some sort of like clever name for it. Oh no, this it was, and they were bat mar- marshmallows. So you know, bat, bat shaped marshmallows. Even better. Even this ba- sounds vaguely familiar. Even batter. <laughs> batter. Uh, oh yeah. Anyway, uh, looping back around. Fruit uh, Loops. So yeah, we're looping back around to Fruit Loops. 
Um, so uh, as, as we mentioned, the topic today is going to be loops, which is one that we've been promising for a while. Brian keeps saying that every episode is going to be about <laughs> loops and then and then it's not. But here we are actually talking about loops since we recently had, somewhat recently had an update to tournament policy about it. Um, but we've, before we get to that, let's talk about what loops are. What What is a loop at all? Um, and in case anybody's not quite familiar with that. Um, loops are basically just a set of actions that, uh, can be repeated either indefinitely or for a certain number of iterations until they can't be anymore. Um, and, uh, they're, they're often described as a shortcut. They're kind of a type of shortcut. And basically when a player has something they can do, you know, forever ad nauseum, except for the card ad nauseum, that's not what I meant. I was going to say um, ad nauseum, huh? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, they can propose a shortcut to just keep doing it. Um, and, and often that's a loop. Um, there are several types of loops and we're going to get into them. But for example, if you have a, a, a creature card that taps to produce a token and another card that untaps all your creatures when a creature enters the battlefield, uh, you could just keep doing that as long as you wanted to uh, because the creature will untap every time you, you tap it to make a, another cre- uh, another token. Um, and that's that's one example of an infinite loop. You could you you just get to do that as many times as you would like. You can choose to to repeat that over and over mm-hmm. again if your opponent wants to say, "Yeah, okay, go ahead and do that." Yeah, it's redundant over and over again. Uh, loops are also mentioned uh, in the comprehensive rules, which is kind of I I, I don't know that I would have expected that because. Like it feels very much in the realm of tournament rules, right? It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's a it's a rules thing. It feels like this is how you can interact with it as as a player, like with interacting with another person as opposed to interacting with the game. So Mm -hmm. we we actually had fairly extensive discussions about that when we did the last revision. Um, It so it turns out that you're absolutely correct. Loops are really a communication construct. They're about how you communicate a thing in magic, which is more abstract than just, I take this action. And so it made sense to me that they go in the communication rules. Um, the We went back and forth over whether we also needed them in the comprehensive rules. And the eventual decision was there were, were a couple of reasons for it. Uh, the primary one is that Eli felt that even unsanctioned events needed some guidance on how to handle rules. And the MTR only technically applies to sanctioned events. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing at home with your friends, technically you don't really need it in the comprehensive rules because you can we, we actually don't care. You can come to whatever agreement you want with your friends as to how you're going to play this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we figured a little bit of guidance in the comprehensive rules, which is the place they'd most likely go and look for them, would not be amiss. Which is why there's sort of this very abbreviated section in the CR that then says, for tournaments, go look in the MTR. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me. It's a, it's a sort of out for people who are not actually in a tournament in a way to talk to say look look friends that this really is a thing that really exists yeah exactly um so how do we, so, so to get to the point where we're executing a loop in a game a player suggests a combination of actions and they tell me how many times well they say the opponent or the opponents plural the number of times that they would like to do that action um Loops can be fragmented, meaning that each player involved in the loop performs actions independent, uh, independently that result in the same game state over and over and over again. 
uh, and one example of this, and uh, you know, Brian wrote out an example of this that that I'm not going to get into, but the one that came up uh, uh, just the other day while I was uh, uh, judging a Star City Games Open was one player had Teferi, and they were making it the bottom card of their library when there weren't any cards in their library. And the other player had Teferi, and they were making it the bottom card of their library when they didn't have any other cards in their library. And they were, they were just continuing to do this. Uh, and that, that is one example of a, a fragmented loop. Um, and that and, example is also why we now have new looping rules. That was, yes. Um, that was a wedge I was able to use to... Let them let, let have them let me write new rules for it. I've been actually itching to write new looping rules for years because I've secretly hated the ones that were in the CR. Um, so secretly, when, was it actually secretly? Well, it wasn't was it that secret. Kinda... I was pretty public about the fact that I thought the looping rules were kind of eh. Um, the problem with looping <laughs> is that it's really easy to explain. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it in this in this episode, and you're gonna be like, well, yeah, obviously this stuff's pretty clear right. until you actually go and write it down. And when you actually write it down, there's corners and there's messes and there's all sorts of really complicated bits that come in in, cor- in, in these weird corners, and um, which is what they tried to do in the comprehensive rules initially, is they tried to put in this section called taking shortcuts, which was supposed uh-huh. to be this gigantic solution to all shortcut plus looping things. And it didn't, it was incredibly hard to read and didn't actually explain things terribly well. But it worked. It was, it, it you know, along with some patching from the judge program for years, we were able to use those looping rules, but that didn't mean I liked them. So when Teferi came along, one of the things that did not, the old rules did not handle well was what happens when two players are looping in a way where it's across multiple turns. Mm-hmm. And the looping rules all talked in terms of active player. And we'd hand-waved for years in the judge program that, well, okay, in this case, the active player is the person who first initialized the loop, and it really didn't make a lot of sense. Or nobody could remember who did it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's actually how we got into the situation where I said, hey, you know, can I take a run at these and produce new rules? And one of the things was explicitly to fix Teferi. I mean, that's that's sort hmm. of how we... That whole thing is sort of how we came into actually wanting to do an episode on this is because the change happened. And as we started to look at it, there were so I, I'm pretty sure Jess and Brian didn't, didn't argue about it, but talk, oh, yes, talked about it from different <laughs> philosophical viewpoints for about half an hour before we were like, Oh, can we, can we really talk about this in a way that we can all agree on? Uh, yeah. Well, so the last time we did a policy episode, when the last uh, when the last policy changes happened, um, Brian and I read the loop rules, and we came to a couple of different conclusions about some stuff, which led us to the conclusion that we should do this episode about loops at some point, and then kind of forego talking about it. Hello. Hi. A wild beeprill appears. Yeah, a wild beeprill appears. Awesome. So... Uh, everybody, I'd like to welcome Brian Perlman, <laughs> our our guest for this episode. Special uh, guest, Brian special Perlman. guest, oh, Brian Perlman. Thanks. I'm glad you guys uh, asked me back. Yeah. Well, we thought about it long and hard. I actually want to get us back on topic. Uh, we were talking about uh, talking about the different kinds of loops. We just talked about fragmented loops, and one thing that we hadn't discussed yet was a loop that only contains mandatory actions. Uh, so, one example of this. Uh, you know, there's a classic example that involves, you know, three oblivion rings and no other non-land permanents. But uh, when, when the, the old Louis Scott Vargas, I yeah, broke cool. MTGO for value. 
Right. Um, yeah. And uh, let's say you had an enchantment that says whenever you gain, li- gain life, uh, you lose one life. And then you had another enchantment that said whenever you lose life, you gain one life. Uh, as soon as your life changes, assuming that you're not dead from that life change, this is going to create an, an infinite loop of, of triggered abilities. Um, and, you know, when one triggers and resolves, the other one triggers and resolves, and the other one triggers and resolves, and we just go back and forth. Uh, at that point, you you have the, the game's going to be a draw if nobody right. chooses to do something that ends the loop. Now, that being said, uh, you know, if you have a, a disenchant in your hand or, or something else that uh, could you know, destroy the permit, could, destroy the enchantment, right? Right, exactly. You're not forced to do that. You're not. We don't force you to take mm-hmm. that action in order to end the loop. Uh, you can choose to do that, but you can also choose not to. You don't have to cast that. Uh, these these types of loops that only contain mandatory actions are becoming rarer and ra- well. I guess they've still got the same number of them that there used to be. So they're not actually becoming less less rare, but they're becoming relatively uh, less commonly relatively used. less common. Right? They're uh, less standard. Yes, because <laughs> exactly. a lot of times what they'll do is they'll put a word like may in there, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like if, you know, whenever whenever you gain life or whenever you uh, uh, lose a life, you may gain a life or you may do this particular action so that it kind of gives you an out. Uh, well, there are even examples with like detention sphere, for example, where it, where it says uh, a non-land permanent not named detention sphere just to avoid that problem. Right. So it, they can't it, exile each other. Interestingly, the May, the increase in Maze has actually ebbed. Um, there was a big increase in Maze back in 2013 or so, uh, which was sort of their way of trying to um, improvise on or deal with a lot of the mistrigger situations right. where something like Soul's Attendant was printed with a May so that people forgetting their Soul's, Soul Warden trigger wouldn't cause warnings. They've actually gone the other direction now because uh, May is problematic for Magic Online. Um, May generates an extra click. Really? Right. So oh. they've actually more, tr- especially now that the Miss Trigger rules for tournaments are pretty clean and everybody's generally happy with them. Um, <laughs> weird complaints every once in a while aside. Yeah. Um, because of that, they can now, they're not so worried about what's happening in paper tournaments there. And so it's a pretty nice out for them to just put no put fewer maze in so that magic online smoother it also leads to fear of the the but it's a may it's not a may situation but but mm-hmm. oh i still hear that all the time for players like <laughs> yeah i missed this trigger but it's not a may trigger uh, wow so so we just covered all the comp rule or the the comp rules for loops right Yes, we've covered all the comp. I think we covered all the comp rules for loops. Um, we talked about fragmented loops, mandatory actions loops, and how you don't have to break them. Um, so yeah, I guess what's left is to to start talking about the MTR. Uh, the loops are the exact same, right? There's no difference in the way they're handled. Uh, well, there's a lot. The, the more detail, we'll say, <laughs> in the MTR. Yeah, there's there's actually a rule in the CR in the comprehensive rules that says. Tournaments use a modified version of these rules. Uh, please go see this other document because uh, tournament tournament rules, because the, the comprehensive rules of magic allow the tournament rules to modify the comprehensive rules. Right. So speaking of that, I have an important it's 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 not related to loops, but it's a quick question for Toby about this this rule with tournament rules taking precedence. 
mm-hmm. um, and that is uh, in a in a game with single elimination, uh, we add a state based action when we go to sudden death. Yes. Uh, so the question I have is, will rules lawyer ignore that state based action? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um. Jess dunks with the real, real questions. Oh, man. Yeah, how do you I like mean, that, putting, Mr. Policy Guy? Putting my unhat on for a minute, and I am yeah. totally happy to put my unhat on at any given time. <laughs> Hello, Untoby. Um, that it is not a rule in the comprehensive rules. And therefore, I think rules are, I'd have to check the exact wording on rules are, but it's, it's not a comprehensive rule state based action. Mm-hmm. Well, so the reminder uh, so, text on the reminder text on rules lawyers references the CR, but right. rules lawyer itself just says so state-based, state-based actions, actions don't, don't apply. apply. Yeah, um, mm. I, I think it doesn't. I think it doesn't apply. I don't think. I think. Don't think rules lawyer can look into the MTR. I think from okay. a flavor standpoint, you really have to give the most rules lawyery answer <laughs> on a rules lawyer, which is which is what Toby's doing. Right. I, think. Yeah. I, think no, I like that, it. I like it. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Given that I spent I spent a chunk of this week debating how relentless rats interacted with the MTR, I am totally comfortable giving rules evil lawyer things. <laughs> oh bless you. <laughs> um, so how how uh, how are loops differently handled in the MTR than they are in the comprehensive rules, Brian? Well, you were talking about that. Yeah. So so they they're they're handled a little bit differently. So as as we understand it. Um, Loops with the, this most recent revision of the the uh, the MTR, uh, a whole section on loops got added uh, added to the to the tournament rules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was primarily to handle uh, everyone's famous favorite uh, uh, proxy uh, nexus of fate, right? Nope. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, actually, it was not. Uh, it was it was partly there. I, I, I explained this earlier before you joined us. Oh, but okay. um, I used Teferi as a wedge to clean up the looping rules, which I hadn't liked for years. And the honest answer between what's the difference between the MTR and the CR is hand-waving. <laughs> the, the MTR gives you a lot of flexibility. As I was saying, loops are really easy to describe in English and really hard to describe in rules ease. So what we what we said is well let's just describe them in English and then that will let you know and the judge give the judge the power to say well yeah that's a loop I mean yes you're trying to do something trivially different that's a loop we don't you know we don't care it's it, I can tell you're still looping um, so that's that's actually the main difference between the two is just we get, we empower judges to identify things that would be very hard to identify through rules but very easy to identify through like just looking at things. You, you know it when you see it kind of thing. Exactly. So so the MTR starts off, it says, you know, a, a loop is a form of tournament shortcut, which I guess you guys already already talked about, that involves a de- detailing a sequence of actions uh, that can be repeated a certain number of times. I'm going to do this five times, ten times, twenty times. Now there's a sentence that says uh, um, the loop the loop actions must be identical in each iteration and cannot include conditional actions. So no, if then then that. What? It, um, now that doesn't mean like I'm going to, you know, do this action. I'm going to scry until I hit a kitchen finks and then stop. This is right. This is something else. Oh yeah. So so th- this is this is very unlikely to come up. It did occasionally come up back in the day. 
Um, we don't want people producing flowcharts, essentially. Right. Uh, I, I don't want them saying, okay, because, because magic involves hidden information. I don't want them to say, well, based on the results of the next card, I will go off on this branch of the flowchart and do these seven actions. And if it's not, if it's this card, we're going to go off and do this. If I have to spend 15 minutes explaining to you all the intricacies of a loop, then we've probably failed at what we're doing. So this is just there to say, you have to be able, loops have to be real simple. It's saying you, this needs a defined beginning and end in some capacity and not just if this thing happens, I'm going to act in this way and shift to doing this thing. So so if, I, if I, I'm going to reveal these cards, if I hit this card first, then I go down this branch. If I hit this other card first, I go down this branch. And they might involve completely different steps and a completely different number of iterations. Yeah, and, and well, not even iterations. Then they loop back to the beginning and we repeat the process, but we go into one of these other sub loops. And okay. Yeah, but but you're totally you're totally fine with a player saying, you know, I'm going to, uh, for example, I'm going to scry until I find kitchen finks, and then I'm going to leave yeah, it on top. That, that's really linear. It's 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 just I'm going through until I hit something. It doesn't depend on anything else until the point that would end it. Right. Uh, so gl- glad we got that uh, uh, cleared up. Uh, the next says if a if a loop uh, um if we have a loop of mandatory game actions, okay, a mandatory game actions. We just talked about this and no player is actively maintaining it. Uh, we get each player. Okay. So this, this right here is we get each player to state in turn order. How many iterations will continue before they break the loop? So this is that if we have two enchantments that have created a, a basically an infinite mandatory loop, uh, we're going to ask the people in turn order, um, you know, how many times do you want it to let it go? Are you going to do it, let it go infinitely, or are you going to break it at some point in the future after 20 iterations, 30 iterations, however many? And if both people say, nah, it goes for forever, then the game's a draw. So this was obviously a big change. Yeah, I mean, so so loops never allowed for a draw with, with a sort of... Um, well, well, they allowed for a draw in terms of... Nobody has to do something that's not involved with the loop, but now we explicitly say um, what, what we changed here, and this is the big thing that actually was structurally the difference between the old looping rules and the new looping rules, is that we asked the player, we, we used to express the looping rules in terms of, well, we had define one player and let them do all this stuff, and then the other player can interrupt. And instead of doing that, all we do now is we just say, well, ask both of them what they want to do and take the lower number. And in the case of mandatory actions, then if then they have the option to say, "Well, I don't do anything," and then we allow a draw here. But what, and we also now allow a draw in certain situations where there's also a non-mandatory actions, and we'll get to those in a minute. Cool. So, so yeah. So in this particular case, if both players have a naturalized type effect, you know, or or, or a way to break the mandatory loop, how many times are we going to do this loop? Active player says twenty non-active player gets to know that number before they answer their question their theirs and they say well i'm gonna only let it go once and then we go great now we are we've gone through the loop one time you the non-active player the one that said that you want to disrupt the loop you now have priority go they're going to cast their naturalize or disenchant or whatever variant they want to use so really the big the big difference in this circumstance is the matter of instead of one person having the onus to be like, I'm going to do this a million times and one person being like, uh, I'll do something eventually, it's both of you say how many times you want to do it and we'll just do it the least number of times. Pick a number, any number. Cool. All right. So that's if so that right there is mandatory loop. No player is actively doing anything. 
Well, sometimes we get, well, one player is is maintaining the loop all by their lonesome. Like, I'm going to create an infinite number of tokens by doing this particular combo that lets me make mana and make a guy, uh, make a dude, make mana, make a creature. Um, so in that particular case, uh, they're going to they're going to choose a number of iterations. I'm going to make a thousand elves to elf tokens or something like that. And then the other players in turn order uh, get to say like, OK, yup, or no, I'm going to stop that before beforehand. And then we go to the lowest number. I actually had a sequence at a pro tour where a player announced they were making a thousand elf tokens and forgot they'd made glimpse of nature. Wasn't it? They, they they managed to repeat infinite. They like we're going to repeat the sequence infinitely. And oh, by the way, the opponent's like, okay, you're drawing all your cards right now. Oh, and then they went, whoa, 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 wait, oh. wait, wait, no, 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 I don't want to do that. <laughs> Hold on, no. <laughs> yeah, well, this actually caused a lot. There was a lengthy rules debate over whether or not that was a binding declaration, and they had to draw their deck or not. Well, what did, what was the resolution of that? Eventually, we did, we decided that because the draw had to happen during each iteration of the loop, they were doing the loop illegally at the time, and they could actually stop and didn't have to commit so, suicide. Okay, okay, so it wasn't it wasn't creating creatures at um, like instant speed in response. It was there was no no. It was, it was they did the loop. They forgot that they had to draw a card during the okay. loop. Oh, that's so so re- realistically, if you were having to do this out, you would have realized that you needed to draw a card. Like after the first iteration, yeah, if you were playing it legally, right. but yes. before you start, before you actually yeah. start looping, what I think, well, no, during during the loop, they would have noticed that right. they were drawing a card during it. They were roundly mocked by their friends for it, though. I'll tell you that. So we we talked about one player maintaining the loop, and now we're going to talk about if two or more players are involved in maintaining the loop, but it's inside the same player's turn. Um, so so if we have that situation then each player in turn order chooses a number of iterations to perform, and and then the game uh, goes to the lowest number of iterations. Yeah, I, I love it, because it's just basically the same resolution for all of these, just slightly different who you ask. Right. Oh. It's actually, two players involved in maintaining a loop is actually unbelievably rare. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you Most of the time you get it, it's an incredibly contrived scenario involving cards that don't actually exist. <laughs> um, it, it, do, it does happen. But I mean, it, well, if you if you want to set it up, you can. Um, I usually use you have a creature that has zero gain flying and zero lose flying, and anybody can play this ability as an illustration. But when I was putting these together, I actually pulled the GP head judges to ask them. So you know, when was the last time you actually ruled on a loop involving two players having prior two players maintaining it? And the answer I got was, "You mean outside of Commander?" Sounds right. <laughs> well, I did. Sounds I correct. did remember. I did remember the scenario I was thinking of. It actually involved uh, the the Maleripod Mirror when one person is trying to gain life because they can't kill their opponent, and the other person is trying to use kitchen or not kitchen things, but uh, murderous red cap to kill the kill their opponent. And both players are are have their infinite loop going, and mm-hmm. and they're responding they're responding to the damage by gaining life. Yeah. Um, that's right. that's the only like actually occurs in the wild situation I can think right. of. And 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 the result is to using the CR, the, res- the, the answer to who wins that changes based on whose turn it is. Right. Well, I think right. that's still true during you, that's still true. Yeah, using the MTR because it just depends who, who's the active player. Okay. That person picks a number and then you go to the, the non-active player and say, now you pick a number and they just pick, you know, the, 
the appropriate one to whatever the, the appropriate right? one. Um, well, no, but then the, low, the lower one wins, right? Yes. Yes. So, but so the person, the, the non-active player has to, has the opportunity to find out what the number is before they pick theirs. Right. Right. So if so if the active player is the one trying to deal the damage, they're never going to be able to deal enough damage because they have to choose first. Yep. You're playing. You're playing price. Right. right. It is. It yep. is super I, price is right. Yeah. Price, and do you want to go higher or lower? Um, one one dollar, Bob. I suppose they could pick the same number. Actually, we're good with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's a question, though. Like, let's say let's say we have that scenario um, where I've got a murderous red cap, and, and you've got kitchen finks, and and for those of you that are not familiar with this combo, just suffice it to say, I can deal an infinite amount of damage, and and Toby with his kitchen finks can gain an infinite amount of life. Um, so I choose a number, and then you choose a number, and now the game state hasn't really changed because because of the numbers we've mm-hmm. chosen. Uh, can I just do it again? <laughs> <laughs> no. And this is one of those points where it's incredibly hard to express in rules and incredibly easy in real life because rules can't define what it means to do it again. <laughs> Judges totally can. That makes sense. Um, okay. So, so, so uh, I say, I say, I want to do it five times just as he wants to do it 10 times. We do it five times and then just decides he wants to start up again. And the answer is, no. Maybe we should try something different. Maybe we should try something. Okay. When can so just try again? Or is yeah, it, that's, is that's it, the weird part here. Is is it now now the active player has stopped me from continuing my loop. So when do I get to start my loop again? In general, the guideline we use is if the game has meaningfully changed. Okay. Like and as and until the game is doing the same stuff, mm-hmm. then you know. If, if you're just trying to perpetuate the loop and you're getting into loops of loops at that point okay. and we don't really care. Well, so, so here's, we, here's we want. The, the, the question I had, and this is one of the things I was arguing with people about, right? So in this scenario that we've proposed here, uh, one of the, in this scenario <laughs> we've proposed here, um, if I'm the murderous or if I'm the murderous red cat player, um, or even if we both have kitchen things, right? And I just want to stop you from gaining life. If you say I'm going to execute this loop and I start my loop in response and I say, I only want to do it twice then you you don't get to keep going. And basically every time you try to enact the loop, I can just choose a lower number and stop you from continuing your loop. And that's until the turn passes. Until well until the uh, until the turn passes and then you're the active player, but then I yes. just still get to choose a lower number. Right? You go, I'm gonna do this loop and I go, well I'm gonna interrupt it here and I'm gonna stop the loop there. And now you have to progress you, the game. Are you actually st- uh, now I, I admit I haven't walked through the exact intricacies of this interaction, but are you actually maintaining the loop? You're just trying to loop in response to the other loop. You aren't having any actual impact on the murderous red cap loop at all, other than doing your thing in between. That's fair. Yeah, that's a, that's a reasonable uh, that's a reasonable interpretation of that. Yeah. So basically, what happens there is that I I try to go off. You then announce that you're going to try to go off in response. You gain a whole bunch of life, and then I just gain. Mm-hmm. I just I, in general, I think the red cap player is going to win this one, right? Pretty rapidly. Well, what what I was more getting at was that that uh, if I can if the if one of the players has the ability to turn it into a loop involving two players, so like let, let's we let's say we're both on Finks, neither of us can well, kill each other, right? We're both on Finks. Well, this is not no. a loop involving two players. So this is two players involved in maintaining a loop, which is different, right? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, two players main two players running infinite loops, kind of independently in response to each other. I'm not sure we actually cover that one. <laughs> um, I think we give the judges right. a fair bit of flexibility to just deal with that. I was going to yeah, say, I'm, it's I'm, really – go ahead. I was going to say, I'm totally happy with that answer. Like, that's mm. that's a – like, 
no, this doesn't happen is a great answer to that question. I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, explicitly, these rules are about if you are taking an action mm-hmm. and I am taking an action, and if either of us stop taking that action, the loop ends. Okay. So it's not about, well, I do my loop X times. Okay, well, I do my loop right. X minus five times. It's about we're both contributing to this loop, and therefore we stop when the first person who wants to stop stops. So so um, it basically you're implying that your loop, you can't continue your loop unless I'm also taking that action. That's what that's two players are involved in right. maintaining. Okay, that makes sense. The, the, what I have taken out of all of what just happened is that hmm. it's really great that this has some wiggle room built into it, but also there are always going to be people who and things that happen that 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 are going to be like, no, we need to define this, but sometimes we do need that that wiggle room, and sometimes it's okay to have that wiggle room. The good news here is that the vast majority of loops a judge will encounter in their career are easy. They're not going to be weird things and we'll get into even weirder cases eventually but the 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 actual number of times you'll encounter these really weird loops um i think maybe once in my entire judging career have i had a two players involved in maintaining loop situation um so it's it's not a big deal most of the time it's somebody declares a loop they control all the bits and just declare how many times and every once in a while you get these really weird mandatory loops where somebody accidentally sets something off but these are going to get more and more unusual as as we sort of move down here, except, well, the next one is kind of common right now, but that's just the, weird. It's a function of a card that, that says some unfortunate yes. things. Um, yes. So speaking of the next one, um, that, that is the one, on. it's the one I mentioned earlier, where loops mm-hmm. may span multiple turns if a game state is not meaningfully changing. Um, now, you are drawing cards if you're spanning multiple turns, but, but presumably the card draw is you know part of maintaining the loop because it's going over multiple turns. Um, so, for example, in the what I mentioned earlier, where both players have a Teferi they're putting on their library and or in their library and then drawing it again, that's part of the loop. And so, if if two or more players are involved in maintaining a loop across turns, then each player chooses a number of iterations to perform or announces their intent to continue indefinitely. Um, and if they all choose to continue indefinitely, the game is a draw. Otherwise, we advance through the lowest number. Now. Uh, there's one thing that this doesn't tell me that I think is kind of important and I have a question about, and that is mm-hmm. who has to choose first? I, I So it specifies each player, and I am totally happy for you to do a um, show-and-tell style thing where each player writes down a number. Okay. Yeah, that's that's. But there, that's re- there is not I a mean, is not a defined yeah. way, but that mm-hmm. is a fine way to handle yeah. it. Well, sure. the, the honest answer here is both players are going to write infinite almost yeah. every single time. Right. Um, we give them the option to end the loop, um, but realistically, if you're in a situation where you're in a multiple loop spanning thing, you're both in a situation where you're trying not to lose, and picking a number probably loses you the game. Mm-hmm. So, real, so you know, when I, when I wrote this, I was like, oh, you know, each player, we have to give them the ability to mm-hmm. do this, but I'm not going to worry about getting into deep specifications about who's who has to choose for anything, just because... Mm-hmm. They're going to write infinite down on a piece of paper if you want. Or they're not even going to bother with paper. They're both going to be like, yeah, I want to do this infinitely. You know how this works. Now that you've, you've carefully thought that out, Wizards of the Coast is going to print a card that completely wrecks that. Well, you know, good thing we can change policy. <laughs> so, okay. So let me ask, let me ask this. Uh, with these, these loops spanning multiple turns, now we've talked about uh, a card like Teferi where the player is actively doing something. Um, does it still count? I believe the answer is going to be yes. That... If one of the players is is inactively maintaining the loop, 
i.e. they have something like a Platinum Angel out or one of those can't lose the game uh, lich cards. And they're just basically sitting there, you know, not able to do anything. And so, you know, I'm I'm tucking I'm tucking my Teferi and you are just saying go. That's also a loop, correct? It is it is a loop, but only one person's controlling that loop. Okay. So the other person is Which is involved but is not actually Yeah, if you look at the criteria here, is two or more players are involved in maintaining a loop. The Platinum Angel player isn't maintaining a loop. They're just sitting there. Um, the easy way to figure this out is ask you, the, asking the Platinum Angel player, how many turns do you want to do this is meaningless mm-hmm. because they can't stop. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, you, I can't say, oh, well, I want my Platinum Angel in play for 15 turns and then I'll stop. So only one player is actually involved in that particular loop. Okay. Well, I, I, was, I was asking because it, it, se- it, it seemed to fall through a little bit in the sense of we've got if one player is maintain, involved in maintaining the loop, that while it doesn't explicitly say whether it is or is not, uh, does or does not span turns, uh, the assumption was that since we had a little bit later down where it's like, you know, if it does span turns, then this. So it was a little, little question there, but okay. Yeah, the, well, only one player there is actually looping because only one player is taking actions. I think a more classic example of this would be just the the mind slaver lock when you've mind slaver locked your opponent. Um, you know that well, mind slaver locks are weird because yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even even They're... in a in a, a hypothetical best case scenario here, one player is controlling this loop, even though there might be other actions that are taking place. Uh, yeah, technically, I mean, realistically, that is true. Technically, Mindslaver is not ever a loop, which is awful and kind of should be. But I, because there's a new card arriving every turn and there's the opportunity for misplays and there's the opportunity, it is theoretically possible that I could suddenly draw a card I couldn't cast and that could trigger a set of other actions. And there are incredibly unlikely scenarios that would get you out of a Mindslaver lock. So you can't just be like, well, I'm taking all of your turns for the rest of the game because you actually have to make – this is actually a good example of a if this, then that. You can't if this, then that out of a Mindslaver because, well, this turn I'm going to do this and I'm going to play it. But you know, if I can't play it, I'm going to discard one of these cards. You know, suddenly you're into this complex flowchart. Um, so you can't actually Mindslaver loop, which is really annoying. Yeah, it is. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Fortunately, it doesn't come up that often in competitive play. Well, yeah, and usually by the time your mind slaver locked, you'll concede to the inevitable or just whip through it very quickly. So it's not a huge tournament problem, right. but it, it is technically not a loop. Hmm, good to know. I'm learning a lot of stuff in this episode. I'm really glad we're having this episode. These, um, these really are the best type of episodes, at least from my perspective, where we get to, <laughs> you know, the, the person that knows more about the topic than us. Yeah, so the next one is uh, so uh, a player. It says a player intervene. Uh, a player intervening during a loop may specify that one of the inter- iterations of the loop is only partially performed in order to able to take an action at the appropriate point. So I guess what this means is so if a loop is uh, if the full loop is three actions, action one, action two, action three, and we we pick how many times we want to to interrupt in the loop. I can actually say I want to interrupt on the fifth iteration after step two. How many times would you like to do this? Five point three three repeating. <laughs> Five and yes. some. <laughs> yes. So so right. And this is this is basically. I'm not 
when I pick my when I pick the number of how many times I want the loop to stop, I'm not actually held to the end of a full iteration of the loop. I can jump in in the middle and say, after this particular thing happens, I want to kill the creature that's enabling this, you know, that's enabling this combo. Yeah. If I remember rightly with an early draft of this didn't have this sentence. And I I was working through a whole bunch of like loops and trying to figure stuff out. And I realized that, for example, if you have a loop where halfway through you reanimate a creature from the graveyard and then you sack it and put it back in the graveyard, and my thing is I'm going to exile it at some point you know, using a split-second card or something, I didn't actually have the opportunity because I could only act at the end of a loop an iteration, and it was in the uh... graveyard at the time. So, so there are times when you have to say, well, in order to interact with this loop, you know, I want to disenchant this thing at this point because that's the point where you can't respond in the appropriate way to continue the loop or whatever. So we just have to give the ability for somebody who wants to interrupt a loop to say, I don't actually want to do it at the beginning. I want to do it at just this point right here. So again, it's doing it until a defined endpoint, but you can put sort of a constraint on what's going to happen in your last iteration. Yeah, you do tw- you're going to do 20 iterations of this loop, and then you're going to reanimate that creature, and now I have an effect. Cool. cool. Or if you want the classic example, um, I'm going to surgical extraction something. I have to wait for it to go in the graveyard first. Right. Hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, now, the next one is probably going to be, from, from, a, from a, a listener mail standpoint, uh, probably one of the more uh, hotly contested subjects. Oh, this is the one people have been waiting for right now. Yes. Oh, boy. Yes. Okay. It says non-deterministic loops, loops that rely on decision trees, probability, or mathematical convergence may not be shortcut. Wait, uh, if I have to explain my loop using calculus, I can't do it? I, how could you? How could you put these constraints on me? Here's a craft. You understand that as we approach infinite iterations of this loop, the probability approaches two. <laughs> um, so it says a, play, a player, uh, a player attempting to execute a non-deterministic loop must stop if, at any point during the process, a previous game state or one identical in all relevant ways is reached again. Uh, now, here, here's the question, Toby: Why do you hate the Four Horsemen deck so much? The the, the listeners want to know. But you can't let these players. Why you got to be? Why you got to be fun police and kill these uh, kill these players? Uh, joy. Well, so ironically, I actually think the Four Horsemen deck is kind of cool. Um, I don't, I don't have any particular hatred for it. I don't know. What this, I do this, have this policy here says otherwise. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's you know, it, it's a, it, it, I, I, this policy actually it doesn't predate the Horseman deck, but it it actually applied to some decks beforehand. Um, they're used, in effect. Outside of the Horseman deck, this used to be a much more common, well, a much more common, but it used to be a more common occurrence because Gaia's Blessing was a tournament card for a long time. And we used to have, oh my god, infinite debates about Gaia's Blessing versus Infinite Mill. Uh, shuffle, uh, basically, when it's milled from your library, shuffle your library in. Your, your graveyard. And thing. so this was actually a massive question for many, many, many years because. People want to know, well, can I just infinitely mill them until we hit a scenario where there's only three guys' blessings left in their library, however many guys' blessings they have? Um, and the answer historically was no, we do not want to deal with it. And the fundamental answer for why this rule's in place is there's, there's actually several sort of compound pieces, but they all boil down to we want to be pragmatic here. It is theoretically possible we could write some rules that make the Horseman deck legal. 
And then somebody comes along with an even more convoluted combination that they have to spend forever demonstrating with mathematical proofs that this deck will, in fact, win given an infinite number of iterations and everything else. And then we have the secondary problem of what happens when your opponent wants to interact with your loop? If you can't tell me a situation you're going to be in at any given point, if I, if I say, well, I'm going to loop until you know I've gotten four Narc Amoebas out before an Emrakul, and my opponent's like, well, I want to loop when there's only two Narc Amoebas and the Emrakul's just been revealed or something. I want to intervene then. How are we going to know which is going to happen first? So there's a lot of sort of really messy things associated with these non-deterministic loops. Um, it gets even more fun when you have loops. What do we do with a loop that doesn't converge to a winning probability of one? Um, that can actually happen. I have produced examples for this in the past. It usually involves Wirefly Hive. Hold on while I look that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> yes. Oh, is that a flip a coin? So, so if you, it's the flip a coin, and uh, you, you basically you, you get you, you create this convoluted situation <laughs> where your opponent has a bunch of lean and arbiters, oh where if an artifact comes into play, they gain a life. And you have a Wirefly Hive, and you have to kill them next turn. So at the end of your turn, you can generate infinite mana, and you start and untap your Hive infinitely. It converges to like a 0. 0.4 chance. Uh-uh. Of winning. Okay, so so Wirefly Hive, three tap, flip a coin. If you win the flip, create a two-two colorless insect artifact creature token with fly flying named Wirefly. Uh, if you lose the flip, destroy all permanents named Wirefly. Um, next turn, though, you um, you get a, a a token named Serenity, though. Oh, ah. goodness! Uh, you know, I actually once pr- uh, wrote a question in the ju- for the judge exam that involved Firefly and Serenity. Oh, that's very funny. Putting those two cards together is almost impossible. They have nothing to do with each other, but I was going to do it anyway. That's great! Wow, do it just to say you did so it. So, if, if you look in the if you look in the question archive, you will find one about that involves Firefly and Serenity, and I wrote that. Hmm. Yeah, e- email us if you anyway. find that. <laughs> anyway, back to um, so so the the bottom line here is that you know I was talking to Wizards about what they wanted to do about these, and they're they're basically like. You should not need a degree in math to figure out whether or not you've won the game. Um, and we could write really convoluted rules, or we could just have a single rule that says if you repeat a game state, you're done. And from a simplicity, you know, we have to get tournaments moving. We have to make sure that things just can't like go out of control where two people are doing these crazy things and trying to interact in situations where nobody really knows what's going to happen next. And so it's just easier to have a nice simple rule than it is to try to make things really complicated. And, you know, and yeah, I'm kind of sad that the Horseman deck isn't, isn't really viable because of it, but that's, you know, neither are the guys blessing infinite mill decks at this point. So we, we've, we've sort of answered these questions and that's the rules really want to answer the questions and keep the tournament running. And this rule does accomplish both of those things. Well, I, I have a follow-up question mm-hmm. to this with, and, and I was going to use a hypothetical card, but now that I know Wirefly Hive exists, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> um, so is there a point at which like the probability is so simple that you're okay with it? So for example, um, if I want if I could generate infinite mana and I said, Oh, Wirefly Hive requires me to tap. Okay. I, I still did a hypothetical card. Um, you can do it with infinite mana Wirefly Hive and there's a card, which is blue and two untapped target artifact. Okay. So let's say, let's say I have that and I could, I can you know, infinitely activate Wirefly Hive. If I said, I want to activate it uh, until I win the flip and then stop, 
so the reality of that situation is that if, if you just want to win one flip, you probably don't even need to loop. You're just like, I do, it, I do it again, I do it again, I'm done. Um, we don't need, a, realistically from a tournament perspective, I don't, we don't need a mm-hmm. looping construct for that. If I, want, if I need to loop to a situation where I get four wireflies, mm-hmm. now we're into some pretty that's problematic a, stuff. Right. Um, and if my opponent has a lean and arbiter, suddenly we're in these non-converging circumstances. So um, it, it's just easier to, like, if you actually get into a point where you realistically need to loop, like, if you need one wirefly, I'm like, sure, just loop, just do it till you get one. But if you actually need to start getting situations where you're blowing up wireflies, then, mm-hmm. eh, that's kind of <laughs> Okay. And, you know, th- okay. these rules do give at least a little bit of leeway for judges to, you know, do that now. All right. That's fair. So, so even though it's technically probably not allowed in, in this case, you're okay with it because you don't even really need the loop anyway. Yeah. You don't need the loop. Uh, you're just going to do it a couple times unless you're incredibly unlucky. <laughs> I've, I've seen some really bad Ralph Derek's friend. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. All right. Well, that, that brings us to, uh, to this last section here, which is like you mentioned, the judge is the final arbiter of what constitutes a loop. Uh, that's that. So, so I guess that that answers that question, which is you. You were like, "Well, I'm okay with it." And my first thought is, "But, but can you be? Is that allowed?" And the answer is yes. Yes, you can be because you're the final arbiter of what constitutes a loop. And this is also where the phrase Toby was saying earlier about a a the game changing in a relevant way comes from saying once a loop mm-hmm. has been shortcut, it may not be restarted until the game is changed in a relevant way. And we sort What's of. Relevant? Sorry. Whatever the judge thinks. I'm saying right. what's relevant, whatever the judge thinks is relevant. Right. Well, just before that, it says you're not allowed to make uh, irrelevant changes between iterations. And uh, uh, the, the example I talked about earlier, the the, the with the, the Teferis, one of the players was arguing that there were things he could do during his turn tap that land. were different than the... That, it was a little more complex than tap land, like he actually had actions, but they weren't actions that were going to change the game substantially and, and talking to the player after the fact, I was like, I think you'd agree with me that that's not substantially changing the game state. And he would be like, it's like, yeah, 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 I agree with you. That's, but I could <laughs> have done this wasn't. thing. But I was just, I was just trying to, cause I didn't know about this, this thing where the game just draws, I guess. And I'm like, no, cause it's new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that's, that's, uh, I think that the new loop rules in that regard are great. And I love that, that, that I have a little bit of leeway as a judge to say, no, that's not a relevant change to the game. Um, and then of course, proposing loops as an effort to use up time on the clock is stalling. Now off the top of my head, I can't think of any examples of this. Um, is this just like spending a long time explaining a loop that you thought were thinking about when you wrote this or what? No, no so the, ver- I mean the, the canonical example of this, which has actually been tried in the past is a uh, seeker of skybreak. Seeker of skybreak is tap, untap target creature. Oh, so you tap it to tap, okay. untap itself. Uh, <laughs> yes, people have done this just for the sake of doing it. Yes, I'm, fantastic. I'm advancing the I'm yeah. advancing the game state. I'm changing the tap status of that creature. Briefly, <laughs> yes. Let, let's not let's not let that happen. Um, yeah, it, it and, and you can't just sit there and do random loops because taking the time to talk about them will eat up the clock time. Is all we're really saying. Here. Also, don't just just snap off. Hey, you're stalling immediately, but. Having that clause in there is nice. Yeah, I mean, odds are pretty. In terms of like ways people can stall, proposing loops is not a good one. <laughs> no, no. What if 
the loop is kind of kind of complex. My opponent's doing it, okay, and I uh, want to respond if they mess up. Can I? Can I ask them to? I, it's like <laughs> oh I want I want, to, I want them to keep doing it, hoping that they're going to get sloppy at some point and screw up, so that I can I can get a window of opportunity to take advantage of the situation. So do I get to? Do I have a right to request that? <laughs> no. Once once they've demonstrated that they know how to do the thing, it automatically happens every time thereafter correctly. Now you're welcome to ask them to demonstrate the loop the first time, and I have seen many games lost because <laughs> right. the opponent goes, "Okay, what are you doing?" And the guy goes, "Well, I, I win with the loop now," right. and the guy's like, "Okay, show me the they loop." Can't. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, people get decks off the internet. Yeah, they're told, that's... "Oh, yeah, you just execute the Malira loop," and they're like, "And now I've got the Malira loop," and they're like, "Cool, show me." But once they've done it once, then then they've done it, and they know what they're doing, and they've shown you how they're going to do each one, and no fatigue cannot set in, and no, you can't ask them to keep doing it, it to basically waste time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've seen players try to, to hold their opponent to that. Yeah, no, I've, I wanted to do the whole loop every time. I've definitely seen uh, that, too. Yeah, you, you, don't, you don't get to make them do that. And, and this gets back a little bit to the non-deterministic loops, is because then the opponent does sometimes want to do things that require the loop to happen right. and that's a tournament problem right there could be a, a meaningful reason to make them actually do it which right. then makes it not really sustainable to to interact with in a yeah. tournament yes well um uh i, I just want to say i i appreciate that i came in with some questions in this episode that i was like i don't know if we're gonna have good answers to these and it turns out we did have good answers to them so think well i mean i'm not trying to make it sound like it, you you wouldn't have good answers but uh but i was wondering how we were gonna you know handle some of these situations um so i appreciate that the level of thought that you've put into this policy I, i'm actually a little disappointed because i was hoping you would you would all have something where i'm like oh this is a situation where we might need to address it. And in fact, there are some, I mean, there, there are some weird corners I'm aware of that I'm like, this is even now the loop rules don't handle them all that well. I'm almost, I'm almost loath to talk about them because it's like, I don't really want to tell you people about these loops, but I mean, I, 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 well, no, I mean, there's at least one major loop. Well, major one somewhat reasonable loop that the rules don't handle very well, which is petals of insight. And, and, no. and I'm unclear. Mm. I'm unclear whether the looping rule should let you stack your deck or not. I mean, they, they do. Right. Well, but I'm unclear whether that's actually a desired outcome. Um, so, I mean, but the point, but the wider point I'm trying to make here is that, I mean, these are new rules. Um, so they haven't been as battle tested as a lot of other stuff. And if people do have situations that they feel these are not, uh, that, you know, real, real useful situations that they feel are not being addressed, these are, you know, there is room to improve them and make changes. Um, that's always true of policy. Um, mm-hmm. But in this particular case where we've you know, literally pushed these out within the last six months, um, there's opportunity to find interesting places and be like, hey, what about this? And we fix it if we think there's an actual issue here. Yeah, well, I'm sorry we disappointed you. Without, we didn't come up with anything uh, terribly interesting. Yeah, although insufficient daggers, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I mean, I, I hope that means uh, that it's a, a. This is great, though. It means that the policy is in good or, shape, or, or it means that we're going to get a lot of questions from listeners involving well, yeah. like Cage Sun turning into a forest and 
So let's not get into that specific one right now, but let's say, uh, let's say Toby, hypothetically, we get a ton of emails that say, but you guys didn't talk about X. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Would would you be happy to to address that if that were a thing that came up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, in that case, people should definitely send, send uh, emails to, to judgecast at gmail.com if they have feedback on the episode or anything like that. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and say uh, that we should call it an episode. We've been been on for a little while now. Uh, and I'd just like to thank you again, Toby, for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Um, I think it's been like 75 episodes. Uh, so I think I was probably your, overdue. Your, yeah, well, your last – it's been a little bit longer than that, actually. Your last episode was uh, wow. 122 in June 2015. Uh, Three years. Goodness gracious. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was about GP Vegas, uh, which – Second one, twenty fifteen. Okay, so the big one, the big, the big, big one. Yeah, yeah. The the expectedly right, not not the one that has lots of fun stories that I don't want to get into right now. (laughs) Oh god, Um, we we could do a whole episode about that as well. Oh, easily have Tim Shields on to talk about that at some point. Um, (laughs) So um, I would just like to thank our listeners for joining us again for yet another awesome episode. Um, I want to thank both of my co-hosts for coming, although one of them was late. Uh, not going to name names. No, not at all. Uh, That'd be to- a- <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to wash my hair. Oh, yeah. Uh, and take out the trash. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Toby, thanks for joining us. Um, did you have anything you wanted to plug? Any projects you're part of or anything like that? Not just the usual. Um, any, um, as always, policy is an evolving thing. And if people have feedback and thoughts, I'm always happy to hear them. Awesome. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening again. Uh, you can uh, find our whole uh, archive of podcasts at judgecast.com as well as a learn to judge section that has our episodes that are best for if you are learning how to become a judge. Uh, and you could contact us via email judgecast at gmail.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or at judgecast on Twitter. And uh, with that, I just like to say I'm Jess Dunks and I keep it fair. I'm Brogan King and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep it shiny. I'm Toby Owen. I just keep visiting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, every three years, though. (laughs) Yeah, well. The Toby Leap Year. (laughs) 